that's not going to be any different this time around. There's going to be tremendous volatility as we get closer to November. And I think that's a trader's dream because when you look at the backdrop for our business, for our sector, that is, um, you've got a very accommodative Fed. You know, you've got $5 trillion already out there with another $3 trillion, you know, that the House is proposing. It's just print money until the cows come home. But it's not just the U.S. It's everyone. It's, if you look globally, it's the EU, it's the BOJ in Japan, et cetera. So everyone's on board. You know, it's like that's the backdrop that you want to see as a precious metals investor. Thanks for watching this RTD interview. Don't forget to pick up your RTD Scary George round. Now enjoy this interview. Welcome to another RTD interview. Today I'm excited to have first-time guest, Mr. John Finnick uh, from Finnick Consulting. Uh, John is an experienced e equity analyst as well as a precious metals analyst, and today he's joining us on RTD to share his thoughts on the current environment from an investment standpoint, an analyst standpoint, and, and you name it. So I'm excited to have John on. So John, welcome to RTD interviews. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us. Definitely excited to uh, get a little bit more of an understanding as to what you're seeing out here in these markets, because a lot of people uh, are concerned with where we're at, where we're going, and how to navigate these waters, because we are sure. in unprecedented uh, territory. And so before we dive further into some of the questions, I'm curious to find out a little bit more about you. Can you share with us briefly a little bit of your background and how you've got here in, your, in this point in your career? Sure. So I started in 1992 with Merrill Lynch as an equity analyst um, and then went into what we call wholesaling, which is um, from 1993 until about a year ago, I was acting as an intermediary between mutual funds and ETFs and the financial advisor community. Um, financial advisors for your listeners could range from Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley, the big boys, to a planning firm like LPL, to a small firm called an RAA. So I work with all sorts of different advisors I did that for 27 years. So um, last year, I attended the Precious Metals Summit out in Beaver Creek. I had three mining CEOs approach me and say, hey, you should be a consultant. So uh, I, I ended up going through a job change around October 1st of last year. Um, worked last year exclusively with mining CEOs to try to get them to understand uh, my thesis, which is, the average financial advisor is extremely bright and has a lot of money under management, but really doesn't understand our space, meaning metals and mining. They might own a sliver of GLD or SLV, but really they don't own Newmont or Barrick or you know anything in the small and mid cap space. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity there in terms of education. And so my company, Fennec Consulting, does a couple of things. One, it marries those type of financial advisors with the mining CEOs that I'm familiar with. I have a Rolodex of about you know, 50 or so different companies that I work with currently, um, not you know, on a retainer, but you know, just have a good relationship with that I built over the last you know, maybe 20 years I've been involved in this sector. And then also I work with high net worth clients, a lot of your listeners that you know, may just be getting their feet wet in this space and have been overwhelmed by the you know volatility we saw in March and then the V-shaped recovery that we've seen since then. So I think that um, you know I can be of service to a lot of different people, and um, you know I've always just tried to be very honest and upfront with people about what I can and can't do. So all right, sounds good. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And so uh, let's dive right in as far as uh, just getting sure. to some getting to 
get it to the bottom of what we're currently experiencing now um, outside of the current health situation that caused the, the fluctuations back in March and unemployment at all time highs and all these, you know, very scary statistics that we've never seen or haven't seen since the great depression, but yet right. the equity markets uh, continue to still be going upwards despite all of that. So are we in a new norm in a, in a sense for, for investors sake, is this, is this something that we should get used to or, Give us a rundown as to where we're at currently. So, you know, the, the volatility we saw in March was unprecedented. You know, I, I was at my computer a lot in 08, 09. The velocity of March 2020 was at least double, if not triple that. So I, my personal theory, Mike, is that double and triple ETFs have caused a lot of the volatility in the market. I did a piece with David Earthley, who I have a lot of respect with, who's a Kitco contributor on April 3rd, it's on my website under articles. And um, it was about direction and the JNUG and Nugget ETFs that they have, which as you know, are you know at that point triple GDX and GDXJ exposure. Now they're double. And I tried to enlighten investors about what had gone on through that process. It's a pretty interesting read. Uh, it took me about like nine different phone calls with direction to try to get all that information uh, and Dave did a really good job of summarizing all that. But that said, um, that might have been the biggest shakeout in the mining you know, industry, right? Because if you're watching the screen, and I remember where I was March 6, GDX closed at 29.40 a share. The next week, you know, you're trading at 25. The next week after that, you're trading at 17. So it's like a precipitous drop uh, for your listeners. GDX is the biggest you know, and most liquid ETF in the mining space. So, you know, you lose half of your value almost in literally two weeks. Most people aren't up for that, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about, as I mentioned, financial planners are talking about seven to 8% a year, you know, as a goal, like your goal isn't to lose half of everything you're worth. And so that head fake, which we call bear trap was probably the biggest bear trap in literally, you know, my career. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. So then what I did personally was, get out of the way. I sold some GDX. I sold some SLV. I sold some things that I knew I was going to get margined out on if, if things kept dropping. And um, then, you know, bought those back at, uh, I think, SL, uh, USLV around 26. And then again, on four, get 40. GDX, I started my position at 19 all the way up to 24. And um, just recently have been selling some GDX between 36 and 37.50. Uh, but I've held all of my silver because it's just still so cheap on a relative basis. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, my outlook is that was real. March was real and investors need to be aware of that because right now I think they're feeling yeah, everything's good. You know, it's like that was just an anomaly. No, it wasn't. That was real <laughs> and it's going to happen again. So I think within the next six months, you're going to have another huge sell off and, um, what I hope we'll see is that GLD, GDX, all the major players in our sector will make higher lows, meaning we're not going to see those lows we saw in March, but we're going to see a sell-off at some point. And if we have a liquidity event like we did in March, you know, nothing is, you know, uh, going to be protected. I mean, everything is still very vulnerable at this point until we get a vaccine, some clarity on the economy, et cetera. Now, one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, the returns on investments. And so you have, you know, you consult a lot of financial advisors and whatnot. And so I've, I've ventured out a little bit outside of the typical um, audience or 
uh, commentator that I like to speak with, which are heavy precious metals uh, individuals. And so I want to go out there and get a pulse from those that handle large amounts of people's portfolios just to get an idea as to what the strategy in this current environment is right now. And the 7 to 8% return on a lot of the you know fixed income uh, mechanisms and all types of other products out there, I imagine those things will not be able to return uh, those type of uh, those yields for that much longer. And so you mentioned that there could be another correction or dip or whatever in the next six months or so. You know, what is it about that time frame that you see? And then how will that you know shake out more people, perhaps? Sure. So obviously we've got the U.S. election in November, right? So you saw the gaming that took place in 2016, leading up to that, and biotech and other sectors. So that's not going to be any different this time around. There's going to be tremendous volatility as we get closer to November. And I think that's a trader's dream because when you look at the backdrop for our business, for our sector, that is, um, you've got a very accommodative Fed. You know, you've got $5 trillion already out there with another $3 trillion, you know, that the House is proposing. It's just print money until the cows come home. But it's not just the U.S. It's everyone. It's, if you look globally, it's the EU, it's the BOJ in Japan, et cetera. So everyone's on board. You know, it's like that's the backdrop that you want to see as a precious metals investor. Um, so that's number one. You know, every sell-off like we saw today is in the context of a bull market, right? So when you see CDE down today, you know, nine plus percent, I sent an alert out at 537 a share and said, hey guys, you know, there's a huge seller out there. Um, you know, it hit 601 this morning, you know, I'm buying right here. I mean, like, you know, I, I'm thinking longer term on something like that. Some things I'll think in terms of a trade just because of a financing that may be done in a mining company and there's just a lot of selling pressure and uh, not going to be like a long-term hold for me. But what, what I see, you know, going forward is just a really uh, choppy market. Not right now, of course, we're just seeing straight up in the broad market. Um, but that's not going to continue forever. I mean, if you've been doing this a long time, like I have, you realize that there's cycles to everything, you know, and, and our sector is no different, right? So when you looked at the price action from, let's say, beginning of 09 to uh, end of 11, that three-year period was very, very constructive and positive for our sector. I think we're going to get a repeat of that. I know a lot of people think we're in the first inning of, of that, you know, rally now. I think we're probably more like in the third inning. You know, I mean, it's still going to be a couple of years to go. But I think that everything is getting faster. You know what I mean? I mean, like when you look at this velocity in March, it's like, wow. I mean, you know, even an experienced person like myself is looking at the screen and just saying, this is crazy. You know, so you have to be able to work with someone whether it's me or a financial advisor to guide you through this time, because right now it feels awesome, but it's not going to be like this forever. I think you're going to have people start to realize that the impact of what we've done to our economy is going to be drastic. And, you know, we haven't seen that in, in the numbers just yet. We're seeing horrible numbers, whether it's non-farm payrolls or unemployment or whatever, but we're not seeing it hit our, our, you know, pocketbook to the point where we're not going out and spending. Right because the consumer has been leading this rally for 11 plus years in my view. When the consumer falls, that's when you're gonna to have to start worrying. And I think that all of this unemployment is going to lead to that. There's a guy that I follow, uh, I used to work with at Merrill Lynch, Dave Rosenberg, who I'm sure you're familiar with. I think they call him the ultra bear. You know, I heard him speak at the Precious Metals Summit last September and he was calling for zero interest rates. And I was just 
you're looking around the room to see what people were, you know, they were just looking at each other like this guy's nuts, you know, and, and here we are. So it's like, I, I really don't think that, um, that a guy like Rosenberg is too far off the mark. I mean, it, it looks pretty difficult, uh, in my view, for a V-shaped recovery, you know, just going forward. Yeah. Now, based upon the monetary response and the concept of zero interest rates, and that's something that's being experimented with in Europe and all the issues they're having there. And so th does the, the possibility of zero or lower really alter the game plan moving forward? Because I, I anticipate, you know, the market will respond positively and everything will still go up. But at what point, and of course, this is an opinion, but at what point does it, the very currency itself become an issue to where, Trading and investing is, is very, is very, it becomes skewed because you can't tell the true value of anything if you know it's artificially being propped up. And so right. it, it's, share your thoughts on that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm in the camp that you really don't need any more Fed, you know, uh, dovishness to have gold and miners head higher. You know, I mean, I, I think right now it's like the sweet spot. The Fed's basically said, I mean, just go, go back and have your listeners listen to, to Jerome Powell, October of 18, November of 18. The guy was a total hawk. And then in December of 18, when we bottomed out, if you remember that, uh, I think the S&P was down 19.5%. He, he went out on the December Fed meeting of 18 and basically um, was a hawk again. And then he started flip-flop. And that started to happen in, in January of 19, and he's never looked back. He's just gotten more dovish. And so now, if you listen to his like you know commentary last month, it's it's super dovish. It's like the ultra QE, uh, quantitative easing. So you know, again, I mean, when investors send me emails and say, you know, geez, I should get out of this. It's it's tanking. It's like in the framework of a bull market, it's correcting. It's not tanking. It's like you know, you, you have to look at it from a perspective of um let's let's hang in there this time because it's different this time you know um so as, as, if you want my opinion on currencies it's a little more difficult because i just i'm i'm in, in the in the camp that you could have a higher dollar with a higher gold price you know it's like it's happened before if you look at the 70s um it's not typical but, you know, like today you see the dollar down or flat and gold's getting crushed. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So, I mean, we're seeing some unusual things. I think what I've recognized is something like uh, TLT, the bond product out there, uh, UUP, which is the dollar and GLD all trade, you know, as safe havens now. So, you know, on a day like this where the equity markets, broad markets are rallying, all three are, are down. And that's what you want to see. Believe it or not, that's exactly what you want to see. We weren't seeing that in March. Of course, everything was getting sold during a liquidity event. But in, in, in a more normal environment, yeah, that those three things are safe havens. They should act that way. And um, I'm just starting to see over the last maybe two to five sessions that the mining companies are starting to trade as a safe haven too, which is awesome because they didn't trade like that in March. That's for sure, right? So... Thanks for watching this interview. If you're enjoying content like this, feel free to become a part of the RTD community by becoming a member via Patreon. All it takes is a monthly contribution of about $5 a month for more great content such as this. Just scroll down beneath this video here and click the Patreon link and then hit this tab right here to become a member of the team. Looking forward to bringing you more great content. Now, let's get back to this interview. Thanks.
So I'm curious to get your thoughts. I want to transition a little bit into, you know, we've laid the, you've laid the outline of some of the problems. And so the solutions for your, your person who are heavy precious metals investors, you know, I, I'm new to the mining space myself. So I've had a chance to connect with some gentlemen on different projects out there, but don't really dive much into it because I'm still learning. But if you were to share your opinion on the, the allocation of a, an I, not, I can't necessarily safe because all there's risk and everything, but given the circumstances we're facing in this country as well as abroad, can you share with us uh, the allocation of a model portfolio of some things that would do good and different scenarios that we could probably play out? Sure. So just so you understand, since 2016, probably call it end of 15. So for almost five years, I've been almost exclusively in energy, metals, and mining. So I'm not your typical investor, and I don't recommend that people do that. Um, but I would say that every investor should have 5 to 10% of their portfolio in GLD, which is gold, SLV, which is silver, or some combination thereof. You know, I mean, there's other ETFs that you could buy in that space, and I'd be happy to you know, go through that on a, on a future you know, presentation. But now, now, question, sorry to cut you off. So as far as SLV and GLD, you know, as far as like some, some physical or some of the ETFs or like how, you know, how could you? Yeah. So the physical right now, I'm not up for it because the premiums are too high. You know, it's like, I know that goes against the grain, but really, I mean, some of these dealers are tripping people off. So, you know, I think that GLD and SLV as a proxy for gold and silver are okay right now. If people wanted to buy the triple, which again, you, you really have to see like a marked sell-off to, to buy the triple with confidence in my view, or you just have to see a breakout in either one of these. Gold has been breaking out for, for weeks. So um, UGLD and USLV are the way investors can get access to silver or gold on a uh, double or triple kind of basis. Uh, they don't generate K1s either, which is nice. But so again, you know, maybe 10%, let's say, you know, of someone's portfolio in physical metals or the uh, ETFs I just mentioned, and then you want to have a good amount of your equity exposure in um, the mining space. And how I you know, classify that is royalty companies would be the most conservative. Royalty companies would be your Franco Nevadas, your wheat and precious metals, uh, those larger companies that uh, basically are, are safer plays. Now, they've already run up. If you look at the charts, streamers were the first to go. The second subsector of miners would be the larger cap names like a Newmont or Barrick, uh, symbols NEM and gold. And so those stocks have also run, right? Because that's what a portfolio manager that I used to represent would buy first, right? They're gonna buy the big boys. Um, the third tier within a, um, a mining uh, portfolio would be your small to mid cap players. We call those maybe mid tier companies. Um, some examples would include like what I mentioned, CDE, uh, AG comes to mind. HL, Hecla, um, a number of different companies in, the, in that space um, that are producing right now. And um, that's where you're gonna get a big bump because we're just starting to see these, these companies take off. So I think there's tremendous opportunity there and I'm overweight the small to mid cap space right now for that reason. And then lastly, the, the fourth category, Mike, for me would be like juniors, which are uh, heavy exploration companies. There's a lot more risk to junior mining. The, the stocks are very illiquid. If you look at some of the prices that happened in March on some of these names, you'll see it's, it's scary, right? Because it's easy to buy them, not easy to sell them. <laughs> so got to be really careful with putting on too much exposure in that. And that's one of the things I do with helping clients and, and 
not all juniors are created equal. Some of them are very illiquid. Some are easy to trade. Interesting. Now, for those that uh, might, uh, so so that that portfolio there there is miners as well as physical physical metals or whatnot. And so, right. if you want to go a little bit broader into something outside of that, is there any other any other sectors that would be something that has potential in this current environment, or might have future potential that you might be looking at, or would throw out there as something to you know to further study? Yeah, so on my website, fenneconsulting.com, I actually put a disclaimer for the first time about a month ago saying that I all of my performance returns are just going long. Uh, I don't do options. I don't do private placements. There's nothing you know exotic about my return you know stream whatsoever. But I said for the first time, I'm thinking about shorting stocks, and I have been shorting stocks a little bit in March and in April. Um, I'm not so short at all right now anything. Um, just because the market's running so hot, but I have a short list. And so to answer your question, um, you know, I've been on 25 or so cruises and, you know, no one can pay me any amount of money to go on a cruise right now. Um, I think the cruise ships are screwed. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that word, but uh, I, I don't know how you work your way out of this, right? I mean, Norwegian Cruise Lines, which is NCLH, I believe, said about a month ago, we don't know if we can continue as a going concern. That rings the bankruptcy bell, right? And, and the stock went all the way down to seven, I think, and it just closed today around 18. You know, I'm, I'm like, based on what? You know, it's like nothing's changed. You just said this, you know, 30 days ago. So, you know, I think there's some interesting short opportunities in that sector. Um, I think there's some interesting short opportunities, unfortunately, in energy, just because I don't think some of these companies are going to make it. You know, I talked to Diamond Offshore, I think, in February. And their IR department was saying they could handle their debt. And then in April, they went bankrupt. So, you know, it's like, you, you know, one of the things that I bring to the table, Mike, for my clients is trying to sift through the untruths of, you know, uh, metals and mining and energy, because there's a lot of head fakes going on. And a lot of people are doing nefarious things and just flat out lying. So, you know, it's my years of experience in trying to sniff that out. I didn't buy what I was hearing from them. And I ended up shorting that stock instead of buying it. Um, and, you know, made, made a lot of money. So I think energy presents a good short in that um, some of the deep water drillers like Diamond are simply, there's just no way they're going to have to hit the reset button. Now, what well, I'm curious to find out your thoughts uh, on the fangs, on the fang stocks. And so it looks like everything now is, is, is upside down as far as, you know, what's of value and what's not, but yet all the technology companies appear to be doing extremely well because people are locked in and quarantined right. and all those things like that. And so will there be a turn of the tide eventually to where if we do reopen, we go back out all those, you know, I think the zoom zoom today closed all time high and all the good things coming from those right. companies there. If we were to reopen, things were to go back to what we used to consider normal, then do those companies, in your opinion, still lead the way? And what? What do you? What's your thoughts on that? So yeah, Fang has definitely led the way for a number of years now. And um, here are my thoughts: I can't appropriately value a Netflix or an Amazon. I don't disagree with their business models. I think someone like Bezos is a genius, right? But you know, how do I buy Amazon? You know, as a value investor. I, I don't know. So I don't, you know, um, do I short it? No, because I, I also believe in what they're doing. And I've been a, a seller on Amazon for 14 years, believe it or not. So I know the fees they garner from me. I think they make somewhere between 20 and 25% on anything I sell. It's like a giant garage sale on Amazon if you're a seller, but you're going to pay a price. And 
you, you, you know, I think in this kind of environment, that sector of their business is going to do extremely well, right? If you're unemployed, you're going into your garage and you're trying to sell some stuff and put it on Amazon or eBay and make some coins. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's very difficult to short that kind of uh, of a name, uh, or for that matter, a lot of these stocks in that in that momentum sector. But there will come a time, and you, I look for things like the IWM, which is the Russell 2000 to start breaking down. Because when you saw the September, October 18 correction, that was led down by the IWM failing, right? And look at the February correction we just had, it was led down by the IWM. So I'm always keeping my eye on that every day and, and waiting for that thing to break down because when that breaks down, that's to me an indication to start shorting other things. Ooh, interesting. Uh, well, I appreciate you for sharing your thoughts on that just because I was always curious to find out you know, long future, future projections on where those companies can take us because wherever they go, I think everything else will follow, unfortunately. But as we get ready to draw down towards the end of our discussion, um, the price of metals, gold, silver, based mm -hmm. upon all activity, is it good to say they will continue to go up, but will they go up substantially in the way that a lot of people are predicting due to all the global issues we're having uh, price-wise? What are your thoughts on that? Based upon monetary response, fiscal response, will we mm -hmm. see those type of prices this year or what? What are your, your, your thoughts on that? I think we, we could see gold revisit the highs as early as, uh, you know, the end of this year uh, or first quarter of next year. And, um, you know, obviously, what does that mean for the mining stocks? That means very good things. Um, so let me explain, uh, if, you, if you don't mind. Um, there's a thing called all-in sustaining cost per ounce, which is known as AISC in the mining world. And what that means is a new mine's a big boy, biggest mining company out there, right? They're all in sustaining costs, which means what it costs them to take one ounce of gold out of the ground, all in is about a thousand bucks. And you're at 1700 plus gold, right? So look at the margins. I mean, show me another sector where you have $700 an ounce margins. And yet, you know, analysts still aren't upgrading the stock as much as they should. Um, you know, they, they've got Net debt to EBITDA dropping like a rock. Um, their biggest cost of doing business is what as a producer? Oil. <laughs> Oil's tanking, you know? I mean, it's recovered some, but if you're a producer, you're loving oil dropping, you're loving the gold price, you know, maintaining this 1600 to 17, you know, 50-ish kind of range because you're just gonna make money hand over fist eventually. And so my message to analysts is wake up. You know, it's like, look at the, the future, skate to where the puck is going, as Gretzky used to say, not, you know, look at, you know, what's happening currently. Look at the future of the next, you know, two to three quarters for mining stocks. It's going to be awesome. Um, so getting back to your question about gold and silver, um, I think that the price of silver is still very depressed versus the price of gold. We call that the gold to silver ratio. Um, you know, take, take an ounce of gold divided by an ounce of silver, and that number is around 100 right now. So very stretched historically. It's only gotten this high three or four other times in history. And every single time, silver rallies after that, that happens. So, you know, I'm advising clients, you know, silver is my number two holding in my portfolio right now. Um, I'm advising clients not only to buy silver, but to buy silver stocks, because I think there's tremendous leverage there. Um, one today, AUMN, which is a, a micro cap stock, uh, gold and minerals went from, I think, 39 to 53 cents in one day. 
So you can see when you're not hedging production, you get a really big, you know, lift in, in the share price um, just because, you know, the, the silver community is very interesting. They're, they're extremely bullish right now going into uh, what looks to be a breakout for the metal. So, you know, fingers crossed, but, you know, I, I'm one of those realists that says, I'd love to see $50 over again, but we've got to get through these different hurdles first, uh, meaning technical resistance at, you know, probably 19 to 20 and then big resistance at 21. If we can clear 21, then we're going to see 25, you know, hopefully by this year or next year. Um, and then a lot of these silver companies that we're talking about, you know, with clients are really going to take off. So um, that's my, that's my take on the metals, uh, the precious metals. As far as industrial metals go, I do follow some other things like palladium and platinum and nickel. Um, I just did a podcast with Bill Powers, um, which went live yesterday, June 1st and talked about those industrial metals and how they're getting a tailwind right now as a result of this, you know, let's cross our fingers and hope that, you know, the economies globally re-recover. Um, I'm not sure how long lived that is, but there are some great PGM stocks that you can buy. Uh, Sabanye comes to mind, SBSW, which is, uh, you know, about half gold and half industrial. It's, it's a really interesting combination. So they are the number one platinum company. They're the number one rhodium company, number two palladium company, and a top 10 player in gold. So it's like you get all this in one ticker. It's pretty neat. Interesting. Uh, so I appreciate you for sharing that and elaborating a little bit more in depth on some opportunities out there. So, um, so Mr. Fennec, so can you please point people back to your direction so they can find out more about what you, uh, what you, what sure. you have up and how to stay in tune with you and your writings or whatnot? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, www.fenicconsulting.com. That's F-E-N-E-C-K consulting.com. My email is John F at fenicconsulting.com. And uh, just send me a note through that and uh, ask, ask any questions you'd like. You know, we have uh, extremely reasonable rates versus a lot of newsletter writers out there um, that, you know, in my view, are providing a ton of value. You know, they're, they're sending something out a week, you know, weekly or some of them monthly. And, you know, as a client, uh, as we talked about, Mike, I mean, you're looking at this and number one, to me, that's old news. You know, we alert clients as we do, as we, you know, work uh, on a trade. So if I'm thinking about going into a name, I'll alert my clients like the night before, Hey, you know, this is what I'm going to plan to do tomorrow and, and give them a heads up. So there's, you know, not any type of front running or illegal activity whatsoever, which is unfortunately running rampant, I think in, in this sector and other sectors right now. So, um, you know, we, we take a different approach um, and I can't work with everyone. I'm a single person, but I try to help people. If I can't help them, I try to direct them to somebody, something else that could help them. Sounds good. Well, John, once again, it's been great having you on RTD. Looking forward to staying in tune with what you have going on as well as have you back on down the line and get some more uh, insights to. as to what's uh, happening out in the market. So once again, John Fennick, thanks for joining us here on RTD. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it.